part of what is so attractive about fountain pens is the variety of ink available. I think that was probably the biggest draw for me. Yes, there are lots of colors available for like gel pens and some roller balls, but then when you see what is available in fountain pen ink, you're like, never mind. <laughs> like, I'm coming over here because there's so many options, so many colors. And fountain pen ink has become like microbrewed beers and coffee in terms of there are now so many makers of fountain pen ink and they're making like small quantity all over the world. There's new colors coming out almost every day from small niche markets and different qualities and, and with emphasis in, in different ways in the way that like microbrew beers and, and coffees are. Whatever quality you're looking for in an ink is available. One of the things that over the last couple years has been a big draw in fountain pen ink is sheen, which if you don't ever use a fountain pen, you might have never known, but ink can not shine necessarily, but the color can, in an, a certain light, almost like taffeta, will catch the light. So it looks like it's blue, but if you angle it just right, it looks a little red. Sheen in ink will do the same thing. Once you see that in ink and you're like, if you love color and you love like, all of a sudden your writing or your doodles or whatever has this extra dimension and it's like, well, my ballpoint pen can't do that. <laughs> you're like, oh, this makes things so much more fun. And even if it is you're just writing your grocery list, it brings a little bit more joy to your day. It makes just writing morning pages and you're grumbling about having to do the dishes a little bit more pleasurable. Welcome to Hello Atelier. I'm your host, Betsy Blodgett, and with me is producer Jonathan Getz. Hello. So, Jonathan, what do you know about fountain pens? Uh, let me think. They have that pointy tip. You have to fill them with ink, and they are of a bygone era. Well, you got one out of three. Well, one and a half. They do have a pointy tip. It's called a nib. You do fill them with ink, but as we heard, not just black or blue ink. But most importantly, fountain pens are very much in the now. In fact, they've become quite collectible with the stationery set. The stationery set? The stationery set. Not only are there collectors who seek out rare antique pens, but now there are loads of new fountain pens being produced to satisfy this niche market. New fountain pens range from antique reproductions to super slick modern designs. And don't get me started on the ink. Every color of the rainbow, and some with glitter. So you're suggesting we could do better than splurging six bucks on the pair of quote-unquote nice pins at Target? Today's guest, Anna Reiner, would certainly suggest you could elevate your stationary experience well beyond that. Anna is the creator of Well-Appointed Desk, a blog devoted to all things office supplies. She's also a keen collector of fountain pens. I was lucky enough to see her collection and can tell you that I felt 100 times more elegant when I was using one of her slim, golden pens to write. I always enjoy getting a glimpse into a world that I know absolutely nothing about, and that includes fountain pen collecting. I love that there is such a vast and passionate community of pen and ink fans. Never underestimate the power of a high-end everyday item. As Anna says, even if you were just writing your grocery list, it would brighten your day to use a beautiful object. I had an interesting childhood. My mom is a dancer, and so I actually grew up dancing until I realized that I was actually a little little too round <laughs> to dance. So I started drawing. So in high school, I started drawing more than dancing. 
I used to joke that I really got my start doing lettering because I was trying to forge my parents' signature on absentee notices. I got really good at forging signatures. I started doing other people's parents' signatures. In high school, I got a scholarship to go to, I was living in Tennessee at the time, what was referred to as Governor's School for the Arts. Um, so I went to art school for the summer in high school, and that was sort of the gateway. I met other artists that weren't just people taking art class in high school, but met like other people who were really into making art, illustration, printmaking, photography. I was like, uh, this is the thing that I want to do. After art school, Anna worked as a graphic designer and illustrator for many companies, including Hallmark. Then, after years of just enjoying office supplies on the side, she attended a lecture that convinced her to start her own website, a flashpoint that would eventually attract a vast community of like-minded stationary aficionados. It's one of those things that I joke that my favorite time of year, even as a kid, was back to school because I would get new paper products. Like I always got excited about back to school because I would get a new notebook and new pens and new pencils. All of those things, I would get so excited about it. And uh, we had a speaker come in at Hallmark who talked about a blog that she had created called uh, House of Turquoise. She talked about how she had created this blog and that the internet was a place for niche markets and basically, if you build it, they will come. <laughs> that day that I saw her speak, I went back to my desk and I started the well-appointed desk. And I said, if she can do it and have a niche about the color turquoise, I can have a niche about office supplies and all things that I love about having cool things for your desk. And in this day and age where we do so much digitally, we don't necessarily have to have endless budget office supplies because that's how we do things. We can have beautiful things on our desk and things that we enjoy using and things that don't frustrate us. So that was sort of my impetus to start it. If I'm going to have pens and paper and various things on my desk, why not have things that I like having and like using? My gateway pen in terms of fountain pens was actually an Estabrook. A friend of mine gave me a nib for an Estabrook. They were very budget friendly even at the time. He had acquired an entire new old stock box of the fine flexible nibs, which are rare and coveted, especially by anyone who wants to do calligraphy. And he gave me the nib and he's like, now go find a pen. <laughs> so I did. A couple weeks later, I was homesick, and so I was cruising around on Etsy, or on eBay, just randomly, you know, you sort it by like next auction that's ending, and I bid on it, and I ended up getting an Astrobrook at the time. I snagged it for super cheap, put the nib in, and started using it, and I was like, this is really fun, I really like this, but I didn't know a whole lot about taking care of and sort of fixing up a vintage pen. So I started looking at modern ones because they're a little bit easier to use if you don't know a lot about fountain pens. And so that sort of opened the door to modern fountain pens. So what's special about the Lady Schaefer that you like so much? They very much look like jewelry. They're very pretty 
and I don't think anyone else really made anything like this that was sort of specifically targeted towards women. They have very decorative patterns, and oftentimes they're black and white and silver on the outside with almost like fishnet patterning on the in gold on the outside. And then when you take the cap off, oftentimes they're like bright orange or bright blue on the inside. So pretty. None of the fountain pen collectors at a lot of the pen shows that I go to collect them because they're all guys. They're big old guys. I'm not trying to make a stereotype, but I'm going to say that 90% of the dealers at a pen show are old guys over 50 or 60. So they have no interest in showy jewelry-like pens. So I was able to get them fairly cheap. They're like, you really want this? And I'm like, yes, please. (laughs) If you really want to understand a community, you go to where the people congregate. And that means traveling to trade shows. Just as fabric lovers flock to quilt shows and knitters to fiber shows, stationary lovers are drawn to pen shows. Anna didn't know what to expect when she went to her first show, but soon enough she found a group of pen lovers who are more than happy to welcome a newcomer like her into the fold. But Anna also found opportunity. And with her husband Bob, who owns Skylab Letterpress, they created a must-have item for ink lovers around the world. A lot of times fountain pens can be very intimidating, and the fountain pen shows are not readily available in most communities. There's only about maybe 13 or 14 shows in the United States. Um, What I discovered, though, once I went is that everybody's really, really nice, and it's a lot of fun. It's like going to any convention. If you've ever been to any niche convention, like once you're there, you're like, oh, these are all people who are like me who are really into this thing. They would just want to talk about the stuff, you know, so you can spend an entire weekend just nerding out with other people who are really into pens and paper and ink. And at several of the shows, we do an event that we sort of shorthandedly refer to as like pen show speed dating, where we have tables, like sort of an expert at each table in a different area. So they'll be like a nib meister. So it's someone who specifically like grinds nibs. We'll have somebody who knows a lot about paper at one table. We'll have somebody who knows a lot about ink or calligraphy. There'll be eight or so tables and they'll stay at the table. And then seven or eight people will rotate from each table. And you can talk with someone who knows a lot about a specific topic without having to walk around a pen show and try to talk to a vendor at a table. You can really just sit around with a cocktail and talk to somebody and or ha- let them talk through sort of what they do and what does this mean and what is a nib grind and like cuz that's some things like my husband even jokes about like it just all sounds greek and weird and he's like I don't know what any of this stuff is. And usually in the evenings most of us younger folks sit around the bar and we will swap pens. And it sounds really strange to say, but we really will sit down and with one of our cases of pens, we'll um, open the case and pass them around. And for a lot of younger people and people who are new to pens completely, they'll come down with their maybe one or two pens and be like, these are the only pens I have. And we'll say, that's okay. That's totally fine. Here, which, what do you want to look at? And offer up whatever we've got. And they're usually gobstopped that we would offer them an opportunity to touch or use any pen in the case because sometimes people have pens that are worth hundreds or thousands of dollars and we're like I fill them up with ink and use them every day like I don't think you're going to do any harm it started with the coloring cards and those came about because there had been a product that existed in the market that were called the Maruman 
They were basically Japanese flashcards for kids. They were the perfect size for people to use to swatch their inks. And they pulled them from the market. And so a lot of people in the community were absolutely beside themselves that this was gone. And what were they going to do? They bought as many as they could, and pretty soon they were going to run out. And I was lamenting that I was about to run out of these cards. And Bob turned to me and he goes, well, you know, I can die cut paper. And we can get paper, and we can buy some rings. You know, we can make our own. And I said, you really think so? (laughs) And so that started the hunt for finding replacement paper that would meet our standards or exceed them. Because while the Maruman paper was fine, it wasn't really bright white. It was kind of an ivory color, and so it wasn't going to give the truest color of the ink and things like that. And we were like, well, if we're going to do this, like, let's do it better. Let's make these better. And so we started looking for paper. And what we discovered was it was really hard to find good paper that was exactly what we wanted, which was going to be paper that was thicker than like writing paper because they're like almost like cardstock, you know, you wanted to be like index card weight, but not so heavy and so thick that they'd be unwieldy and ridiculously expensive because we wanted people to be able to afford to buy these. (laughs) And so it just became this, this thing where, you know, we would talk to one paper vendor and they would give us this horrible index card paper that was like toilet paper, you know, super absorbent and everything would bleed on it. And then someone else would give us this like deluxe watercolor paper that was like $5 a sheet. And I'm like, do you know how much these cards are going to cost? So it took us a really long time to find paper. So when we finally found the paper, we put some of these cards together and we took them to the Arkansas Pen Show, which is the smallest pen show in the country. Because I'm like, if I'm going to flop, I'm going to flop really small, really quiet, snow and knows. And we had 60 books. And I'm like, well, if nobody buys them, I'll have a lifetime supply. We sold half of them, which is pretty big, 30 books in Arkansas, because like most of the old guys there are like, I only have black ink and blue ink. What the hell would I need one of these for? <laughs> Literally, like as soon as we got back, we put the rest of them online and sold them in like 20 minutes. <laughs> and we we're like, I guess we should make more. So they sold really quickly and we immediately started getting wholesale requests for them. Now we sell them all over the world, which is really weird to say. And then a year later, we did the Colodex, which was created to fit into like a Rolodex. And that came about because after a year of watching me open and close the rings on the coloring, Bob said, wouldn't it be nice if it was like in a, I don't know, the cards were like in a Rolodex? So we just, and we knew that they were not going to be quite as popular just simply because finding a vintage Rolodex is a little bit harder. Even Rolodex doesn't really sell that many of them anymore. Although I think we've single-handedly sold a crap ton of them for them. Ink isn't the only thing that comes in every color under the sun. Anna has also fallen into the world of knitting. And while knitting is a great way to get away from the desk, somehow the world of stationery always creeps back in. I do knit. There are many evenings when I sit on the couch and watch Netflix and knit. (laughs) My Netflix and chill is Netflix and knit. (laughs) Um, I pretty much will knit anything that's not moving. Often my knits have cat hair in them. (laughs) 
I've knit plush toys. I've knit baby garments for friends. I've knit blankets. That's my, you know, my other side project. I don't get paid for that, though. It cost me a lot of money to knit. <laughs> and you did the, the one alphabet series. That was part of Inktober, which is the idea is to draw something every day for the month of October. And it's uh, Jake Parker created it. He's an illustrator. And his original concept is a lot of illustrators draw pretty regularly, but they don't finish their drawings. And so his idea was like, ink your damn drawings. <laughs> and so that was sort of how it got started. And so now he provides prompts and to try to give people impetus to go through with this project. So you draw in ink every day. But of course, the idea is like, there's no rules, like do something and just do it consistently for 31 days. So the first year that I did it, I think that was the knitting alphabet. So my idea was that in order to give myself like a clear goal, I did A is for Aaron, B is for, you know, so, and I went through the whole alphabet all related to knitting and it just gave me a clear project. And then the second year I did the office supply alphabet. Thank you for listening to Hello Atelier. We hope you enjoyed our interview with today's guest, Anna Reinert. Be sure to visit Anna at her website, wellappointeddesk.com. And while you're online, pop over to helloatelier.org to see our photos of Anna's studio. Also, if you are in the Kansas City area, you can catch Anna teaching drawing and media methods at Johnson County Community College. Thanks for listening. <laughs>